Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm sure as parents, we all know how messy things can get, whether that's around the house, during mealtimes, and even when it comes to our little ones themselves. When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby's skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I even find myself using them. Well, good morning. It's a very happy Monday because I just got the new Elizabeth line for the first time all the way from Essex to Farringdon. So I know this is probably very, very boring for most people, but it was very exciting for me because normally you have to change at Stratford or Liverpool Street. And it means that I'm now guaranteed to see. I know technically I should be guaranteed to see anyway because I'm pregnant, but sometimes you feel awkward asking. So yeah, I had a very, very enjoyable journey in and I'm very excited about today's chat. I've got two people uh, in the studio with me today. I know that you're going to love the topics that we discuss. And this weekend I actually went to my first uh, children's birthday party. And it was with my lovely friend Vicky, who adopted her daughter. Um, she has been on the podcast before a few episodes back, um, talking about her adoption process. And um, my guests today are also the proud parents of two adopted children. They are Rich and Lou, who are known as Two Dads in London. Um, so they are dads to who they refer to as the boy and the girly and they document their lives as a family of four they're obviously living in the capital and um, I love that you're both really honest about the highs and lows of parenting and you're such brilliant advocates for those who are considering adoption so welcome thank you for having us thank you and we were chatting just before we started recording about how we all almost had childcare disasters oh, yeah, today, which course. I feel like is the most apt thing for a parenting podcast. So um, Alf's been a little bit ill, not ill, ill, but he's just got his, it's actually his first cold, which isn't bad for an almost two year old. Um, but he's just been a little bit under the weather and he has started this thing of getting up at five in the morning 
which is great, especially as the baby inside of me decided to have a party at 3.30 in the morning. And I was like, a sign of things to come. So I'm excited to speak to you guys about being parents to a boy and a girl and how you juggle it all. And And you're no doubt staying up late like we do to try and have a bit of a life as well, because it's like five o'clock wake up, but midnight going to sleep. Oh, I've been the the opposite, actually. I've I've had to be like, I will sacrifice my social life. <laughs> I was in bed last night at 8pm watching um, the new series of Motherland, which oh, I'm a yeah. big fan of. Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. Well, we we don't really get to watch too much TV, do we? Because we just, I think when it comes to sitting on the sofa, we just end up falling asleep. <laughs> so we've probably seen bits and bobs of every popular TV series out there, but not committed just yet. It's very good if you want to watch Motherland. For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's really good. But I'm not here to talk about the latest Netflix series. <laughs> Let's start with um, both of your adoption journeys. Did you always know that you wanted to go down the adoption route? Well, yeah, we had a conversation quite early. Not... Did you've been together for nine years? Nine years? Yeah. Well, well ten years. Yeah, yeah ten, ten years. Yeah. Feels a lot longer. No, <laughs> <laughs> no one says that. Yeah, it was quite early on in our relation. Well, not like the second date where we didn't say, no. "Do you want children?" Um, but I just it did come up earlier on and the I never I don't think we ever thought surrogacy was going to be an option not because we have anything against it obviously we have friends who have gone down that road and it's turned out perfectly well for them but we just always I think for us it was about being together doing that same process and knowing that we're going to adopt a child that's in need and knowing how many there are out there that actually need a loving home I think we felt we would then be completely equal both be their parent because through the surrogacy route, we would have to, it would be one of ours initially, biologically. And I think we never wanted that kind of break to go, oh, look, that's your one. And, you know, jokes aside, but Lewis is ginger. And if it came out ginger, everyone would be like, oh, it's definitely so yours. That kind of, you know. <laughs> so we we really wanted to go in that kind of get a, give our love to a family or give our love to a child that really needs it. Yeah, I think my personal opinion was that obviously there, like Richard said, there are so many children that are out there and need a loving home. And obviously we can't naturally conceive. No. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like goes with it. You know, there's many children out there that need loving home. You know, we've got so much love to give. It sort of felt like the right thing to do for us. You really take for granted in a um, heterosexual couple who can conceive. I know obviously not every heterosexual couple can. How... You, you literally do have to think about these things. Like one of um, my best friends is a lesbian and she hasn't met someone yet. And she's, just, she's now being like, well, do I wait and hope I meet someone? But then I need to have the conversations around surrogacy and everything with her. Or do I go down the adoption route as a solo parent, like my friend Vic did, because she never met someone. And yeah, I guess it's nice that at least you're together that you get to make those decisions. But I think everything as well around being a parent seems to have a time limit on it because people don't want to be too old when they're having young children and I think even adoption takes into account that question of well, how old are you maybe you can't have a younger child because that means when they're 15 you'll be this age so even that whole worry and concern for people is in adoption world as well as you know can I biologically is my body up to it it's that same consideration. How did you find the adoption process and did you find um, any kind of pushback or um, discrimination based on the fact that you're a same-sex couple? I think that we did initially think that we would go into it and there would be barriers for that reason. And I think we created the problem ourselves. And when we actually, you know, 
because we initially went to an open evening that was based around LGBTQ plus um, um, Adoption, pe- yeah, yeah. people that wanted to adopt. And we went to this event and it was an eye opener. And we decided that, you know what, we would go through the local authority yeah. in the end. I think we went into it with the normal myths and worries that, oh God, they're going to be discriminating against us. They won't want to give two dads, uh, you know, a young baby. All of those thoughts and worries were there. But we went to this open event and it was, we left there a little bit nervous and scared because everyone was like throwing their details at us. Come on, you know, we've got lots of children. And I think we got home and it was like, well, we didn't realise it was actually like that. So that's why we said we want to go more to a normal local authority than some of the other groups that were offering because they were really asking, when are you ready for it? We'll call you, give us your number. We'll come in contact with you. We'll let you know. And we were just really going for a bit of advice that night. So it was a bit... And I think it was also that like cemented our decision of adoption because the way that they were with us was like, they they need people to yeah. adopt children and we walked away we went for dinner didn't we and yeah. we was like well that was that was fun you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. we went for a little bit of advice and we ended up giving our number to a load of um people but we didn't actually start the process for like a year later um i think we just sort of wanted to prepare ourselves we didn't know what we had to do so it was just you know learning the you know the step by step what you have to do going through the adoption process and uh, we but was, I don't think there was any point though where we actually felt that there was any kind of stigma because of it. And I think we live in a world where we constantly feel worried about it because that's just what you naturally see on the news. I mean, at the minute, if you watch anything about football, it's all about LGBTQ people. Or can they go to the World Cup? So it constantly makes you more nervous about that. And I go to football all the time and I have no issues. But we luckily live in England. So we built some of those barriers ourselves. Once you decided, okay, adoption, it's for us, what what was the process and what were the timescales going forward from that? So we initially had a home visit where um, a social worker would come to our house just to ask us just general questions, to get a feel of us, you know, and then they had to see your house. And then you have to um, basically register your interest to adopt and then you get approved for that. And then that was like stage one. And then you get approved. You have to go to the... the, Basically, the first stage is all paperwork. So good sort of 12, 14 weeks worth of paperwork and sessions and group sessions and meetings where you find out really all about the type of children that you could adopt and some of the background issues that they may come with. And really, it was an exercise where we had to sort of pass the paper-based test that said would you be willing to deal with that? Or would you be able to handle this type of child? And how do you think your family would deal with that? So stage one was very much textbook. And Um, is that where you have to be quite specific of, yes, I would adopt a child from an alcoholic family, but not a drug family, etc. And they're really difficult discussions because you don't really think about that being as something you're going to have to write down and go, actually, we would rule out this type of child because you feel awful and that creates lots of emotions around god you wouldn't be able to rule that out if it was a biological child but it's like you're writing it down so it really feels difficult the, the process from when you start to finish you become such a more honest person because you know the decisions you can't just agree because you're worried that they're gonna feel bad about you because you you're saying no to something because obviously the outcome is you're adopting a looked after child or becoming a parent which in itself is a massive obviously the biggest life-changing decision that you can make along with that 
you know, parenting an adoptive child comes with another sort of layer of of, of things that you have to deal with. So, and, and then the stage two part, though, is when you get allocated a specific social worker, they'll come to your house weekly and they literally learn everything about yeah. it. I think they know us better than, secrets, than nearly anyone else or any of our friends because they literally write it all on loads and loads of paper. So you're writing your life out, going back to when you as a child, talking about what your relationships were like with your aunties, your uncles, and how do you think that will shape what you do? It's it's and massive. It, it, it was um, like therapy, I suppose. Okay. Go looking back on your childhood, how you was at school. What do you? What's your opinion on school? What do you? What, how would you feel about education? You know, literally any question you could possibly ask, we was asked. Think- Is it like therapy with the fear of being judged at the end of it? Because yeah. obviously you kind of are like, if I tell you this, will you yeah. still let me adopt? I, was re- I always used to give an answer and then answer again contradicting what I said so I sort of gave two answers to what they were asking but there was also lots of times after sessions where let's be honest you you would be in tears and go I can't believe I said that did you see her face did you see her reaction which probably wasn't a reaction because we were nervous about what we'd said or not said you know let's be honest there was a couple of times where she left (laughs) us like she hates us (laughs) there's no way that she's going to let us go through or and then it was just but they have to be like that because they have to make sure that you are absolutely ready. Because, you know, sometimes, and I don't know how often it does happen, but there are things called adoption breakdowns where you go through and the child, you know, you have a... Have just a doesn't work out. Period yeah. And it doesn't work out. And that's another um, traumatic change for that child. So it's a, it's a lot of pressure, but... Yeah, we, and we went for it a second time. <laughs> yeah, It's kind of interesting as well that you have to go through all of these kind of quite sensible loopholes really yeah. to bring an adopted child into the world yeah but like for me i, I yeah. kind of wish i had that yeah, yeah. You, like but they never taught you how to be a parent no. we always say that you went through all of the hard work we went to workshops all this stuff and actually went on the day that we drove our son home from the foster carer we was like Oh, what are we going to do? Bath, you know, <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to get in the bath. He doesn't want to sit down. And, you know, all that, the normal things that I suppose any parent will struggle with. Like you kind of feel like you're so prepared for it because you've been through this massive process. So it took us 18 months from start to finish for, the for, first our, time. for, our, for yeah. our son. Um, so you've gone through all of this house thinking that you're well prepared. And then I'm like, how much porridge do I need to put in here? Like, you know. How old was your son when you got him? And also, what was the process from being approved to then waiting for a match? So we got him at 10 months. And it, for us, we were really lucky from being approved. It didn't take that long. But that is probably the weirdest thing because we got sent an A4 sheet of paper with a, a little face on it and some some small lines that explained this child who's only 10 months old. Um, and it got sent to us sep- separately because yeah. we wasn't in the same place. So Lou was at home, I was at the office. But normally you were kind of prepared. You may not accept the first profile or the first yeah. child. And you don't want to because I suppose you think that you're going to, I'm going to love any child that they send send a profile. And I was a bit worried that I would do that. And do I think that. and immediately though, we were drawn to the profile and the like. his little face was lovely and that, all of a sudden but, wins but, over. But our social worker knew us so well that yeah. she obviously probably looked, you know, for She'd a been working on that, that for a while. Because it's not about, because how it goes is, it's not about what we want 
as a child because we did this we did this process about where you would write down all your ideal things that your child would turn out to be like you would write down like football and I would write or maybe you know good at darts and or something like that and then she was like rip it up rip it up because your child won't turn out like that although he does love Chelsea yeah Um, yeah. (laughs) uh, um, that is it it went from there to then going to actually seeing that profile and we were both saying oh my god this is like the perfect child which we felt that we shouldn't have been saying because all the stuff you're hearing in the process is you know, you don't just want to go for the first, you know, option. But we were sure that that was it. So we... you So the profile you get sent is very... It's not basic, but it has like a bit about the child um, and then some some family history. A really small, uh, and, yeah. and then you have to say, if you are interested in pursuing, then you get sent more, more information. More, more information. Yeah. Which is more of the detailed background around so why... We did do that. And this is around November, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they was like, well, around Christmas, they don't place children because um, emotions are high in that period and everyone's happy and jolly. And I suppose it's not as... Um, yeah, they, they don't want to make the move in for a child into a new home, think that you've moved into this new house that is all about presents and Christmas, which then they might have a slump after and realise, oh, it's not really like that. So all these things... You it's have not to Christmas think, every day. What is about. this? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Get that tree up. And then, and then I, we, we, we did pursued didn't we and then we sort of went into christmas didn't we and i was like i think it was like january the second where it's just like the first official date anyone could go back to work i was like email her and say what's happening next and um we and then that long story short you know yeah we we then went through the process of the foster care constantly going to their house learning gradually taking over and that then was scary. bringing him home yeah so yeah you go there so basically you go into like a stranger's house who was caring for our son since um, he was a baby. And then the first day you just observe and then gradually you take over everything until the point where we was getting there before he woke up, taking over everything. And she would just sort of like, yeah, take him out for the day. And uh, then on the last day we drove there. Yeah, you just pick up and go. It's really quick. It's really odd. I remember driving home and we weren't going to come back then, was we, to the house that we'd be going to. And I was like, Oh my God, like, there's a child <laughs> in the back of our seat. <laughs> Do you know what? It's so interesting because um, I keep relating it to my friend Vicky. Yeah. And even though she went through the adoption process, we still had exactly the same emotions of bringing your yeah. child home for the first time and then being like, wow. Yeah, like, this is it. How do we yeah. do? So what What was your experience like I mean, now, once you had your son home? he's He was... Like, I suppose everyone says this. He was very advanced. But, like, he did... He started walking literally before, like, yeah. a few months before his first birthday. So wow. it was only, like, a couple of months of, like, pulling him... And it was... So we didn't get, like, baby um, period No, no, we, where... we basically brought home a whirlwind who was already, like, cruising on the sofas. It was like, oh, my God, we've gone from nothing to, like... Yeah. This. And I think as well, because, obviously, going back to about being two men, I did feel when I first bought you know became a parent I felt so much pressure so much pressure to be the perfect parent hadn't parent before hadn't got any experience felt an extra added layer of pressure because obviously being two dads and I know that you know some people do think because we you know we've had messages on social media saying you know a child, need need, a child needs love a mother's and... love and and such and so I I I got into a bit of like well everything has to be perfect everything a perfect and I didn't really enjoy it 
the just the, the the little things and then Richard would you know you'd be playing with him and I'd be like oh god I need to make sure this I is I think this. it became that you just were so proactive and organized around we must have this many wipes we must have this many of this whereas yeah. I was a little bit more oh, I'm just going to play and just have fun so it it became really easy for me to build that connection and that attachment which they teach you a lot about whereas for you it came a bit later and, and we had to ask our social work around because we wanted to make sure that that feeling was normal that actually because you kind of once said I feel a little bit like I'm a childminder at the minute because this is not my child I haven't yeah. built that whereas I luckily was way ahead and had built that but I wasn't so worried about everything else and I think once he had that conversation with a social worker who said look this is actually completely normal because um, as well the way I describe it is and I know that it happens for a lot of mothers who give birth and they don't feel the instant connection I definitely felt like for a good couple of weeks that I just brought a tiny stranger at home yeah. and I was like yeah. you live here hope you like yeah. it yeah. <laughs> yeah. so for me it was like this toddler who was very like now we know why because he is he is <laughs> such a character and he's so he thinks he's like 18 now like yeah, he's, he's so sick. funny but like yeah I just thought right I need I'm 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 meant to be this is my child I'm I'm I need to be in love with this boy and I just wasn't at the beginning and I was just then I felt terrible um but then I think I put all my actions into making sure that he had everything prepared like if we went out and we forgot wet wipes it was like the end of the world yeah. like I know that everyone says they take everything and their kitchen sink with you I literally you literally did <laughs> yeah. yeah you literally did <laughs> this and then and I but I but I do think that that although it's an adopted parent thing that is a new parent thing you you what yeah. you feel with the pressure you want to be and no one can everyone can give you all the advice but that's what it is is advice it's yeah. not I think Anything for you though, you and, for, and for us, it made second time around so much more. We would we knew what to expect. So some of the worries around we must have this, we must have that, that was just gone. And instead, adoption two for our little girl was very much around what do we want, but actually, what about our son? Because you have a whole process the second time around, which your friend may eventually go through, where. They have to have whole assessments around, well, how will it fit for him or how will it fit for the other child? And what are you looking for? How will it match where things like you can't adopt an older child because your child that's already there would obviously be the lead child. And if you brought an older child, it would upset the balance of the family. So there's so many things we that actually you asked have to think him. about. We did ask him. Yeah, so we said. Could have a little brother or sister, what would you prefer? And he always, always wanted said sister. sister. So, yeah, so we actually sort of stipulated that the second time around. We really wanted a little go. They can't guarantee, but four months into that process, which was very, very fast, they already had a match wow. for us. So us. what was the kind of time scale between bringing home your son and then bringing home your oh, girl? two years. Yeah, two years. You, yeah. you have to wait two years. You can't adopt yeah. again for two years. And then when we... I think it was quite soon. Yeah, straight after virtually. Because we... Obviously, there could be a sibling which is always something and there's there's a number of siblings involved in both our children which sometimes is quite difficult um but we were kind of waiting and hoping there would be a natural born sibling um it didn't happen so we had to have that conversation that said you know we can't wait until forever because it may never happen and plus we wanted them to be at certain ages together mm -hmm. so they could really yeah, grow up together richard both of us have got like siblings of like the same years, sort of age and yeah. we remember growing up with the sibling you know 
playing, fighting, doing all the normal things. <laughs> that you do with siblings. Um, but, but yeah, we wanted process, to make sure of that. from Because it was the same social worker. We was very lucky to have the same social worker. And I think it was only like... It was five, it was five months. Five months. Five was, months. And then there was a wow. match because... And and she was only four months when, when she actually came And because home. we already had done the adoption process once, it's not as much. You still have to... Um, you don't do the textbook bit again. Yeah. That bit's already kind of done. So you go straight into the stage two. And she was adult was just five months. Yeah, well, yeah, she was four months when we got and, the profile and, and then five months when she moved in. That was different as well because we never had experience of having yeah. a five month. So five months to 10 months is a massive difference. I remember being in a shop with my mum and I was looking at strollers again, buggies. And there was a woman in there who had a baby. And my mum was like, how old's your baby? She said four months. I went, Are you... That's how small the baby. That, that's how small <laughs> she is. I was like, "Oh my god!" I remember she was tiny, yeah. wasn't she? And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, what are we going to do? She just sort of sat there a lot. <laughs> it was just it really was a completely different. different experience. Absolutely love it, but I did feel much more relaxed the second time around because I knew how to do everything. Obviously, everything's going to go wrong and everything is a disaster because that was normal. But like, <laughs> like the actual parenting, I just thought I had got to a point where I thought. Do you know what? No one is a perfect parent. And I and I really show that on social media because I know that you can look through these perfect grid posts and and I'm just like, nah, because when I'm when I've got the ump about something or when something's not going right or I don't feel great, I want to look and find that someone else is going through yeah, and that that's same normal. Thing. Especially like when, you know, our daughter had a hard time settling into like nursery, didn't yeah. and and I was like, I just feel terrible. I just don't know what to do. And it ended up that she had glue, glue ear. ear. She was deaf in one ear and 35% hearing in one. And I went for a whole year of being told basically like... She just doesn't listen. She doesn't listen. And, and you know, do you, do you know what I mean? I was like... And, but then loads of people, I said, I talked about this and people were like, oh, my you know, my child's done this, my child's done that. And then, it, and then it turned out that it was something that I had no control of over anyway. And I had felt so bad that whole time. But yeah, so it's fun. <laughs> you know what? I think this is like the beauty. It's one of the reasons I set up the podcast, but also why I love social media for all the criticism it gets because I feel like for the longest time, parenting has been sort of like glamorized yeah. and seen as like the ultimate happy ever after, which of course it's for all intents and purposes, yeah. it's amazing and you have this amazing love and but it's also the most fucking difficult thing Job. that you yeah. could do yeah. and sometimes when you are honest it opens you up to people being like oh why are you being negative and if you didn't want yeah. them you shouldn't have had them but imagine if we treated all walks of life like that like you apply for a job and then suddenly it's really hard or you're tired and everyone's like well you shouldn't have got a job then yeah. and you're like yeah. but but I wanted a job yeah. <laughs> or like I needed a job and I think what's so nice is as you said the more you open up the more you find your tribe but also the more you find that you're sort of helping other people so the yeah. bits that you're finding difficult actually sort of become your strength yeah. because other people and like you were saying with your daughter you know you found out what was wrong because you were open about yeah. what she was going through and um yeah i think it's so important it's my go-to now for any advice obviously i ask parents and friends but if i if there's anything that i go right you know i'm having trouble with this to the kids anyone experienced this before and then you don't you don't feel like you're the only one going yeah. through it because you get so many and people love it as well because i think then they realize that they're not the only ones going through. i think problem. some people isolate themselves and i think it's easy for new parents to be isolated for a period of time because they don't know the answers they're often scared or nervous to ask because they feel like they look silly asking. Or they worry that it may make them look, make like, them look like they're not. Yeah. yeah. Like we went out for a firework evening the other week and we went to this restaurant 
and we and I shared a picture of like Richard was there, the kids both had their iPads out. And I was like, but but that's what's keeping them quiet at that time yeah. of night. I mean and they me had a, a great day. Try yeah. and enjoy eating and I'm people like I know that there's some people, all my, I said, as soon as I post that, I know people go, oh, your kids shouldn't have iPads. I said, but it's like half nine at night. They're not going to sit down and be perfect. And let's be realistic. You know, we want to enjoy the meal. Do you know what I mean? So, And you deserve to enjoy the meal. But yeah. also, I always think, I'm sure other people in the restaurant would prefer to listen or not listen to children yeah. than not have the iPad yeah. <laughs> and listen to chaos. I'll yeah. tell you what happened. We There was another family on that table. We came in, straight away iPads. Ten minutes later, the kid had the phone. Yeah, on the other they table. they probably thought, well, they've, they've got it. They're, they won't feel like yeah. I'm a terrible parent. And I just think like, oh my God, like it's not an easy job. No, you know, no one's a perfect parent as much as what, especially on social media. We're all doing our best. And yeah. I feel like all our tolerances and circumstances are so different. That's why I just think like live and let live. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if, people, if people genuinely don't let their kids watch screens, like hats off to you. Yeah, because... If they never do, then <laughs> how I, do yeah, they do yeah, it? Yeah, but I, yeah, I just think it's so easy to judge from the outside. Yeah. Um, you mentioned kind of, um, you know, receiving, um, I think, homophobic sort of um, yeah. comments on social media and judgment. How, how do you deal with that? Because I guess you've almost got it as a sort of like double from the adoption side and then from being a same-sex couple that um people kind of always presume that the child be like oh so what's mum doing or yeah or then for, for my daycare? friend vicky who is a single parent by choice with her adopted child it's like oh where's daddy and then she tells them about the adoption and then they want to know like oh what happened to her or like what what happened to her real parents and vick's like really like yeah. you oh, you're yeah. a stranger why am i going to tell you like all oh, my daughter's traumas exactly. So how do you deal with not fitting into that heteronormative mould in society? Well, Richard's very good. He's very good at... when If, say, someone sends us a horrible message, Richard's very... We always think educate rather than hate back. Because yeah. I... I mean, generally, if I get a, a DM that says, you know, your child should have a mum, they should not be raised by men. And I, and I reply and I just go, well, what about in a situation where... Um, some child has tragically lost a mum figure at a young age and is raised by their dad. Yeah, you know, I think what, what's this? What, what happens? I think in that you have situation? to have a, a balance on how you deal with it because it's really easy. Lots of people just go, just block, just block, just block. And I think it's easy to block, but you haven't forgot that issue. You haven't forgot the comment that's actually just been said, and it may affect you because you you may not be issue have an issue of it there having blocked it and then talk about it later, it does bring up different emotions. And I wonder if that's what everyone says. I wonder if people just say that stuff and we just don't get told. So we often reply, but in a really positive way. And we often reply to say, you may not agree with it, but we invite you to continue to follow us or watch what we get up to for the next week and then make a decision. If you still wish to you know, be hateful, we will just block you. But often we've had responses that then come back and go, I've just never seen a gay family. That's the kind of reply you get. I just didn't know or I've never met a gay person. These are some of the comments we get. And it's like, well, now you have. I think lots of people jump to the obvious stereotypes and think that we're all going to be this type of person. And it's like, no, no, just follow us. That's why we're trying to do this. So you can see that actually it's just another normal family like all the other different families that are out there. But sometimes it, it does it does bother you. you. You worry about how far you go about questioning them or 
or making a, a statement about it because you don't want to go too far and become an account or we don't. We've never wanted to be an account that constantly just flies the rainbow flag all day long because I find that annoying. You know, if somebody every day at the high street kept trying to give me the same leaflet, you know, and I eventually go, look, you've tried that three days in a row, mate. I don't want the leaflet. I think it's the same with us and the way that we come across. I think if we don't constantly show it in your face that, by the way, we're a rainbow family, you must know that. And people just watch along and eventually just like us. And then their thought is, oh, yeah, they are a two-dad family. I didn't really think about it. That's kind of how we want it to come across. And we've had lots of, most of our followers are women. And we've had lots of them say, oh, my husband started following you. They kind of message you. It's like they've achieved something <laughs> because like their plumber of a husband who just don't talk about anything to do with gay guys is now following you because he really loves this thing that you always do. And we really like feel good about that because it's a small, tiny change, but it's made a difference rather than just block and ignore, which I think sometimes the easier yeah. way out. I think sometimes, it, and it depends on the day, doesn't it? Mm. If you're upset and then you look at one message, it can upset you for the rest of the day, you know. But in terms of like... Um, stuff online we don't really but, but what coming... about in the real world because you must say when you, one of you are at the park and they're like oh is your mummy how do you oh, sort of well, we had we had one at the I had it once at the gym I was signing up for swimming for the kids and it was just me and obviously the two kids were with me I was signing up and this this lady was really really lovely and I said all right it's us and I what's the days what's the times I said it won't be me bringing them and she said to them oh, is mummy going to be bringing you? And, you know, our sign was quite obvious. We went, no, daddy's going to be bringing me. And she, I really felt sorry for her because she didn't mean it in yeah. a bad way. And she really got, like, anxious and worried. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I said, don't worry. No, don't worry about it. The normal thing that people are just expecting is it's mum and dad. So I don't have an issue, but she really got into like a panic and she asked somebody else to kind of carry on the transaction as such because she was so and then she came back and said I'm so sorry I said look just don't worry but I think sometimes you get people get more nervous about it than we do because they're so worried about what your reaction think, might be well I, I suppose it it's like that thing that when your intention is good you feel so stupid for making assumptions it's yeah, like yeah. that sort of like classic thing of like you know, I would say to a school friend, oh, is your mum coming to watch the netball? Yeah, yeah. My mum died. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, what have I said? oh no. And then <laughs> yeah. you feel awful because you're like, but I didn't mean it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like in it's well-intentioned yeah. error, isn't it? I'm sure as parents, we all know how messy things can get, whether that's around the house, during mealtimes, and even when it comes to our little ones themselves. When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby's skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% .9 water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I I even find myself using them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Our son's quite matter of a fact, though, isn't yeah, he? He, yeah. he? He probably pulls up more people than we do. He doesn't get embarrassed. Like, he's in a, he, you know, he was in a football team and, you know, I would come and watch and you could see the little kids, like, looking as if to say, I'm not sure what's going <laughs> yeah. on, but I don't really understand. And then, obviously, they, they would just tell them. And kids, I always say this, kids don't care. No. Adults care. Kids don't care. So, but, you know, but they both know as well they're adopted. And we constantly make sure they know that they're adopted because that's part of the story. It's part of how it works now. I think, yeah. you know, 20 odd years ago, it was really different. Um, Open a letter on your 18th birthday yeah. and you're like, what? And your life is turned upside down. And I think they want to get away from that. But that that's where we probably have the most challenges. Or that's where we might get the most upset about things because we know what their past really is. We, we don't tell the world what that is because that's for them. But we also know what their future entails. And I think... That's a really difficult thing because we we were watching a show on TV the other day and, and our son was watching it. it was I'm a celebrity and this a lady Sue on there she was adopted and she you know she's 59 now she gave the the kind of miracle lovely happy ending story of she said you know I I met my birth mum at drama school and he couldn't help it and he just looked to us he was really happy he said oh I'm going to go to drama school one day because he really just thought that. That was where he would meet Aww. meet her. Yeah. So we didn't say no or explain. We just said, oh, "Okay, mate." You know, if but that really got me for a couple of days. I really it kept going over my head, thinking, "God, one day he's gonna have to read this letter about his own background, and yeah. he's he's probably Is not gonna have that happy ever after." And it's we have to deal with some things that other parents we, we know it's coming because we know it's coming. You know, you, with you, with your children, you want to protect them. You don't want them to get upset. You don't want them to feel anything. Mm-hmm. But we we cannot do anything to stop the day that they know yeah their his their story and that's upsetting because we yeah. just know it's going to happen but all we can do you know like we is well, like be we there as much there as possible. possible but it still breaks your heart because we know it's it it's going to come or the realize that, well like he's now he knows what adoption was when he's little but actually the emotional side of adoption now you can see it sort of coming how through. old is he now seven but he's he's a lot older than what he is so he so now, like, he's linking the emotional side that he did have a family. Why don't I see that yeah. family? And, of course, we can't really go into 
to he has a little book like a, a child friendly version of why has pictures of his birth parents in there has his story but it doesn't give him like the nitty gritty details mm. that and and we know. we actually meet annually with two siblings that they're, they're both also adopted two other completely different families um so we meet annually with them so he sees these people and has a a re- like a relationship with them which is really lovely but there's going to come a day when he gets this letter called the later life letter that basically is a harder version of the facts of this is actually what happened and that's for us to decide when he is ready for that that we know that's going to be really traumatic for him because as much as we've given him you know everything and you try and be the best parents they have fun all the time um we know there's going to be do you get support and help with that from social workers or adoption agencies any support that you need there's there's an adoption after adoption sort of support team that you can go to at any point but i guess it's the sometimes well i think we go over the top we try and give them so many experiences we try and always have fun and i think well we know what they've got coming so it's a little bit like well why can't they go there why can't we just have that laugh because you know in a couple of weeks they might find this out and that's really really difficult so it's a as an adoptive parent, you've always got this other thing that's kind of going. And at any point, we could get a phone call from a social worker that says, there's another child. And immediately you're offered that child because you have one of the other children. So we've had two occasions where we've had to say no to a new child. One, because we were already in the process for our little girl. And to us, our decision was made and that little girl was going to be ours. So we couldn't change that. Um, and then once for the other child, straight after she'd moved in, said, oh, there's another. And it was like, we've literally just had a baby move in. We can't. So no. there's all these other things going on around. And then you siblings. feel guilty about saying no. Saying no. Because then you feel like you should say yes. But then you've got to, you know, you know, we feel right as a, as a four, well, five of our dog. Um, <laughs> um, we, we, we feel right as it. we've made that decision, haven't we? Yeah, we've made that decision that, it's all equal as well because they're not biological siblings, our kids. But if we was to take one or the other, it would then be imbalanced and it would be like, it might not be, but when they're 15 and they're teenagers and probably giving it back a bit, well, you adopt, you took her one or not my one or vice. So we just, we just want them to know that we did it all. Everything we did, we thought about for both of them sort of thing. But it's, yeah, it's challenging because you might watch something on TV that triggers that. What would be your advice to people considering adoption because obviously there are so many sort of extra factors to consider that you're mentioning now i mean you you'll know if you're ready to be a parent to an adoptive child if you get through the process you know lots of people dropped out when we went through it and i think you've just got to understand that yes you know we we do have amazing times as a family i wouldn't change thing in the world i actually always say that we were all meant to be together we was meant to be a family and um that can happen but obviously um you've got to go in realistic and you you know i always say that yes on social media it looks amazing and i always say but our children are naughty our children do this our children do that i always try and feel like i have to change that balance but i always say but every adoption process is different so we can only give you advice but you won't end up you won't go through the adoption process and end up with what we have as a family because me and richard are the ones that have created this through our choices and decisions but what but if anyone is considering adoption 100 percent go for it because 
you you will get the best outcome ever for your for your own personal life. You will have a love that you've never known from these kids, and they will be wanting to give it back to you because you know they've had a tough start, some of them. And I think the benefits you get from seeing them achieve something is I wouldn't say it's more than a any other type of parent because it definitely isn't. But for you, you think ah. Oh, he couldn't do that and actually he's achieved that due to what we've helped him do and now he's this really confident funny kid and you just think wow and he doesn't look like us biologically because he can't he shouldn't act like us biologically because he can't but everyone says he looks like you and he probably acts like me and it's like the biggest compliment you can get because we know that they're not. But when you get that by a stranger, it just makes you think, oh, I must have had such a nice impact that yeah. that he actually acts like us or she my, will act like us. you got my good looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Alpha's got um, my personality and I'm yeah. quite... Tommy's much more of an outgoing people person than I am. Uh, but I'm much more like you have to really get to know me because I'm quite yeah. shy and quite an introvert and I'm quite grumpy and so when Alf is like no more no more and Tommy's like I've got so many good qualities <laughs> why, why can't you just get my personality <laughs> what can people do like for example me is there anything that I could do uh, to make the world more welcoming for same-sex couples or for children because for example if Alf were to start school I'd hate to think, I don't think he ever would do this, but that he might be like, I don't know, pick on your child, for mm. example, for being yeah. like, oh, you've got no mummy. Like, what can you, can, what can we do as a sort of heterosexual? I, I think like, like, I, like maybe just touch on like the fact that I say children don't care. So children probably don't care that, that think of it as like, ah, you don't have this. Because obviously if you've educated your child from a young age that everyone you know, every family is non-traditional, I suppose is the word, um, then they they won't need to question it because it would just be their reality. Like, you know, when I, I remember that the, the, the mums loved that I was a two-dad family. Um, and, <laughs> and the school, you mean? And I don't know, I think it's, it's really hard because I don't think there's one thing that you could do because it's just common sense, isn't it, really? And what you how you not are projecting as your own prejudices yeah. onto your children and, basically and i think yeah. that's even for us it's difficult because look we grew up in what would be classed as normal mum and dad households so to us and through our growing up life that was normal i mean for me i try to make that my normal even though i knew that would never be the case but i think it is about trying not to let that just because your family set up is this particular way, that's not everyone's family set up. Everyone's family set up is completely different um, because some people are brought up by their grandparents. And that, again, for some people, they might not have any grandparents because they may have been older and no longer be with us. So it's really just trying to be open and and kids kids just know how to work yeah. this stuff out. We We're find. really corny, as we say. We just say, all you need is love. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah. just love makes a family. Ugh. So true. <laughs> but yeah, it is. So it is. Well, another thing I'd love to touch on, and you did kind of briefly mention that you've got a dog. Yeah. I had a dog. Oh, I have a dog, but he lives currently with my parents just because the dynamic just wasn't working with him. He was eight years old when Alf came into the world and there was a lot of snapping. And I feel like I made a decision that there's only so many times, even though Snoop's a toy poodle, like how much harm could he do? But mm -hmm. it was more that he his personality changed like he became really stressed at the beginning because yeah. obviously like yeah. I call Snoop my firstborn yeah. like he is literally he got me through like so 
he just went through so much with me in my life. And at the beginning, it was like happy families and introducing him to Alf was like one of the happiest moments ever. And then when Alf kind of got to four or five months, the dynamic just shifted. And I think Snoop was like, why is he still here? And why <laughs> yeah. did he start pulling me in? He, he would honestly like hyperventilate with stress and it just really mm-hmm. changed him. Um, and now my parents have retired. They live in the Lake District with my gran. They have, like, he is a one-man dog. But um, I actually got a question uh, from a lady called Debbie who said, um, hey, Ash, I hope you're well. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. I particularly like the episode on getting back to yourself. It resonated with me so much. I was wondering if you could talk about how you introduced Alf and Snoop for the first time. You hear lots of scary stories. I'm pregnant at the moment, but my dog is my first baby. Did you find it difficult with the arrival of your little one? I'd love to hear more and any tips you have. I look forward to hearing from you, Debbie. So I thought you guys could talk yeah. about well, your story. Well, we actually, when our son came to live with us, we had a Yorkshire Terrier um, called Nutter. <laughs> <Yeah>. What a day. <laughs> and un- unfortunately, he's no longer with us um, when he was six years old. Yeah. And he was a massive part of our oh, son. He was like his yeah. best friend. Um, and that really um, affected him, actually. So their relationship was amazing. But obviously... Um, they grew up sort yeah. of together. But they? I think that first meeting and, and a few of the first meetings, we were really nervous because it, our dog wasn't really as much of a snappy dog, but there were certain people he would like and strangers he just didn't. And we were worried that that would be the case. But I think because it was in our house, he seemed to be, it was like okay for him. And it just sort of, they blended really yeah. well. And well, he chased actually, him around a lot. do you remember lot. the social worker during the initial process came around and she was like, you do realise that if it doesn't work out, you will have to... Get rid of your have, dog. Well, she, yeah. yeah, she didn't quite say... She did, she did. <laughs> rehome the dog. And we were like, what? We can't do that. That's how a child, like... So that that did, that was something yeah. that came up, wasn't it? So but, obviously but, it's a thing that But happens. now, now... But I mean, it went really well and luckily they just got on. But I can see that lots of people that have got dogs, and I think especially if you have a bigger dog you would probably be really worried, especially when you see things in the news. They only have five seconds away and something awful can happen. So I think we always had a small dog. We've now got a cockapoo who is absolutely crazy. But we we introduced her at the sort of start of lockdown when loads of people got dogs. We said, oh, well, let's get them a dog. And we've because I think we've had her since she was a tiny baby, since sort of 12 months, 12 weeks, she's just... They was there first, they, so like... They've the just grown up with her. And I think... To be fair, she's more like a human than most dogs. It's a bit scary. <laughs> she just lays like a human does. But yeah, I mean, I think it is the first few introductions have got to be, you've got to remember that the dog lived there first. And yeah. dogs are very territorial. And if they don't like it, you need to probably try and work on it or like you, make a sensible decision. Well, do you know what? We made a real effort, like you kind of touched mm. on with that. We made sure Snoop was still very loved and wanted. Mm. You know, you, when you watch Lady and the Tramp, it broke your heart, didn't you? And yeah. they're rocking and Lady oh, tries to yeah. calm and they're like, shoot, shoot. And I was like, that could never be us. And so Snoop actually interacted really well. Obviously, it, it was like supervised visits. Um, I, I know that there's actually loads of like good information. I swear part of my course I did with Emiliana from the Mindful Birth Company had a section about introducing dogs, but I'm sure there'd be stuff on YouTube. My sister 
has has a whippet and he started biting people during her pregnancy to the point that they got banned by the Royal Mail. <laughs> they oh. had to go collect their own. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. No. And at the time it was like so traumatic because Rudy, like most dog owners, was yeah. their first love as well. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they were worried that A, he might seriously bite someone or, or that they'd have to rehome him or in the worst case scenario, if something, he did yeah. something that he would yeah. get put down. And now, like him and my nephew Jasper are best friends. Like they really persevered with it, but it, it was a really highly emotional mm-hmm. time for them. But he just settled. Um, I think like for us, we probably could have not tried harder with Snoop. It, it also coincided with Alf waking up every hour of the night. And because Snoop was in my bed, it was almost like one thing too much that was sending yeah. me over the edge when I was kind of experiencing quite severe postnatal depression. And now, if I'm perfectly honest, I would love Snoop back and I feel like it would all be fine. But he's changed my parents and my grand's life. My grand's yeah. got terminal cancer. Yeah. It's like how, like sometimes my dad's like, hey, Ashley, I just want you to know if Snoop's your dog, if you want him back, obviously he's yours. Oh, it ripped my heart out, man. I don't know how we'd caught, <laughs> but obviously he's your dog. And in my head, I'm like, I can never take my I dog do back. That, yeah. um, but also I can't, I can't compete with being a, they live in the Lake District yeah, and take they walk him out. Walks and, yeah. But I guess what I'd say is just like don't rush anything and like follow your gut and remember that it's new and scary for your dog as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I get, but you shouldn't feel bad for having made that decision though, because sometimes as a parent, these things happen and you've got to go with that gut feeling. Sometimes you haven't got ten weeks to work it out because in that ten weeks you <laughs> you may have had much worse of a breakdown. So. And I feel like as well, this is advice for like parenting in general, yeah. I'd say is like people judge you for whatever you do. Yeah. And I still get some like quite nasty messages about how I gave up my dog. But I know that I did what was best for not just me and not just Alf, but also mainly it was for Snoop. And people would also judge if I'd have allowed that snapping to continue. And let's yeah. say he bit Alf, then everybody would jump down my throat yeah. because yeah. I didn't do something. So I think... Most, I'd say 99% of cases are probably, it's probably like great. So, um, but there definitely will be information on the internet. God, poor Debbie's probably like, (laughs) wow, that is the last time I ask Ashley anything. And parenting is all about sacrifices, isn't it? You sacrifice sleep, social life, anything. So uh, obviously, you know, your child has to come first. Yeah. Even in situations as heartbreaking as that before I let you go I did say we'd talk about your book um and very gracefully you never even mentioned it to me I just saw it I saw it on Instagram (laughs) and I was like we need to talk about your book so um congratulations but tell us about it because it's international now It 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 was a crazy thing I when we first started Instagram we had sort of like these things that we wanted to do and it came from us buying children's picture books for our children and having to buy separate separate ones about um two dads or this and we we don't we just thought you know what we could create um a book yeah. and you know two years later you can buy it in new york <laughs> and like all around the world it was i think it comes back to that thing that you said what can people do as parents to help their kids understand <laughs> you can just I, say buy I, the book. I, no i'm not gonna say buy the book <laughs> the answer but, is buy but, our book buy it. <laughs> actually that is sort of the reason for that type of book because we could have easily written a book about two dads or a book that's badged with rainbows all over it, which would have done okay, but there would be lots of parents that probably wouldn't have picked that up because it doesn't match their family. And the idea was to 
create a book where actually all children through reading that story would be able to see themselves and see their friends and other families that they completely used to in the school playground so that actually everyone is included and it's just a but it is it is like a an adventure at a fun fair so the narrative of the book isn't describing every family it's literally a boy called liam he goes to the fun fair and he loses his ticket but on the way his friends help him find it and each of the friends has, has, really different has a different families. family dynamic but it's 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 just there in the book we just felt like we didn't want to have we didn't want to explain it because we feel like it doesn't need explaining when reading to your children because when they're three to five often you are going to be reading to them because that's normal and i think it lets the parent get asked the questions at the time when their children wants to ask the questions or if they don't ask anything they don't have to explain anything i think it lets you kind of build on that through just a normal adventure story where they might sometimes like our kids would go why's why's that one got two dads and that one hasn't and then it gives the parent the opportunity to go well actually this is sometimes what there is and this is also yeah. something which it lets them really sort of educate them but through a fun story rather than a book that says okay we have to read this book because all families have these types mm. of parents which yeah. then is feels sounds, like teachery. sounds like a great christmas present <laughs> 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 but but then it has actually done like so well and it's i remember it's when it went on to pre-sales and we were like oh my god like this is gonna happen and it actually went to like number one in pre-sales wow. and we was like oh my god and now we get messages from people we got a message last week from someone saying i went to my local library and it was there and it was in auckland in new zealand it was like what this is crazy i do i like i'm not like too in our own horn or whatever but like i just we did see like there there was nothing out there like this like i think it gives parents the lead to discuss or or, or what they want to with yeah. their child rather than having to feel like you have to say this thing and you know what it's really interesting and really obvious but it's so good to like read books about whether it's like i don't know different types of people because do you know the books i can't remember what they're called but they're like little heroes or something yeah. and you've got like elton john david oh, yeah, attenborough yeah. all of those kind of hero books i was for some reason like i bought out a couple of the boy books about boy heroes and i was like oh i'd love to get like the dolly part one of the and then i was like why don't i like yeah. it's not like yeah. because he's a boy he can't learn about iconic women like yeah. surely if anything he should learn even more so about yeah. iconic women but it was almost like built into my head that i had to like look out for only what was sort of like yeah. relatable to him. He definitely needs to know who the Spice Girls are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that is, even when we go, if we went to a bookshop, you we would have to search for the specific book. And then you kind of think, oh, this book is only specific to us. And I'm sure there's lots of other scenarios because, you know, we've got a, we're a child with hearing aids. We've got a, child, um, a person in a wheelchair, but it's not a specific book about children with hearing aids or a person in a wheelchair. That's just normal life. We see all of them people every single day. So what we did was just include all of those different people and just have them there. That's not the narrative. We don't say this person is in a wheelchair. They just are because in kids' minds, they just are anyway. It's actually really nice. I know that, um, you know, this current culture war seems to have an issue with any kind of woke agenda. But even, you know, there's like a plus size new like a new disney protagonist mm. and it's like that that's amazing for like body image because her her weight and her size isn't the point of the disney film but it's like for children 
to grow up and see that as normal and and then um I don't know like you, like you said you see in films or tv shows all the time now whether it's same-sex couples or whatever it might be but it's not it's not the point it's not they're not yeah. like the protagonist they're yeah. almost just there and it's, it's so nice yeah. to think that they're going to grow up in a world that's they don't I mean, have to fight so the hard to be themselves it, it? Our children and no one is going to change unless people just accept yeah. that the world is different and why does it affect you? Yeah. Like, I know that sounds so easy for me to sit here and say that, but it only affects you if you let it affect you. Do you know what I mean? So why why um, couldn't we find a book? Yeah, that actually and I think that, that what is... is the name of your book, by the way? Because well, we I will make sure we link it in yeah. the blurb. But it's... it's called My Family and Other Families Finding the Power in Our Differences. When <laughs> we didn't rehearse yeah. that, yeah, <laughs> so, no, we did rehearse that. Sorry, um, but no, and uh, for us as well as a two dad family, we could have just made ourselves the heroes in the book, but actually we. We didn't do that because that's not the point of the book. The point is everyone. And we've always said that we feel single parents and single mums in particular sometimes get a really hard time. Um, You never really see these lovely messages written about them. We always see all this difficult stuff about why they're making it hard. And we thought, no, no, no. If they're doing what we do, and there's two of us, they, they're far more champions than we let on. And, and we made sure in our book, we won't give away the story, but there might be, there is definitely a single mum family and they may be one of the really important characters as part of the story. Yeah, right. and, and we, and that we is the to make biggest sure. thing that I, becoming a parent, I was like, hang on a minute. People were critical of single mums. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like they do this on their own. But like, why is the criticism not on the person that's absent as opposed yeah. to the person yeah. that stayed and when, raised the children? So like, Richard goes away and I have the kids. I always make a point of going, you need a medal. Single parents need a medal. And they love that recognition. Yeah, because they just don't get enough of it. And I think sometimes you just, it needs to be said more by people who aren't single parents. You know, we can shout about being two dads, obviously, because that's what we are. But you, no one gives a stage to single mums to shout about how well they're actually doing. They just talk about how difficult it is. Whereas we thought, let's you know take that opportunity. Yeah. For so them. to answer your question, it's an amazing book. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we've like chatted and chatted and chatted yeah, from every. No, it's great. Um, thank you all of you for listening to Mum's the Word Parenting Podcast. Um, if you do want to get in touch, uh, we love to hear from you. I say we, and it's just me, <laughs> the royal we. Um, you can get in touch on WhatsApp, so either a message or a voice message, which is free. Um, the number is oh seven five triple nine two seven five three seven, or of course. Course, as Debbie did, you can email at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com. Um, or another really simple way to leave a comment is that you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I feel like after the answer to Debbie's question, <laughs> we're just going to be like, I am not messaging in. Thank you for that rubbish advice. Um, but yeah, Richly, thank you guys thank so, you so much, much as well. And if you want to find them there, Two Dads in London on Instagram, and I'll put all the information. And I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place next week. I'm sure as parents we all know how messy things can get whether that's around the house during mealtimes and even when it comes to our little ones themselves 
When it comes to wiping Alf's messy face and body, I want to be sure that what I am using is the best choice for his skin. With baby eczema and nappy rash being common conditions, using wipes for sensitive skin is a must. We've both been loving water wipes. We've actually used them since Alf was born and they gently clean and help protect delicate newborn and premature baby's skin. They're made of just two ingredients, so 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. That means they are the best wipe choice for sensitive skin. Alf loves them and I even find myself using them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.